and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emmett Knight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about how much debt should you have as your portfolio grows. Now, come with me on this. Often, as investors grow their portfolios to larger and larger amounts and they have more assets within their portfolios, they will gradually reduce the debt that they have as a percentage of that portfolio's value. So essentially, the LVR on that portfolio will begin to decrease. Now, the reason they often do this is primarily for risk. Andrew, this is something you've done yourself, right? You started very leveraged and have gradually wound that back. Yeah, a lot of it actually just happens because of the market, to be fair. I don't think I've paid off a cent of investment debt ever. Ed and I were just talking off air about what I'm doing with my personal mortgage, because now I'm in the unfortunate position of having a personal mortgage after 36 years of avoiding one. And so my strategy, because one of my properties is just sold, my strategy with the capital from that is to put that straight against my own house and reduce that debt because I want that done as quickly as possible because that's the bad debt. For my investment debt, I want as much of the bank's money to invest as possible, but banks don't want you to be fully leveraged for the rest of your life. And so often they might put certain parameters around this. Now, I'll just take you through a bit of the background on my investing. So when I started out, as some of you will know, long-time listeners will know, I started with a minuscule deposit. I think it was it was something like- 10 grand. Yeah, it was about 10 grand, was it? I think Alice had five grand and I had 10 grand, something like that. It might've been 15 grand. And we bought it at the first property. So we were, I think we were 95% borrowing on a $200,000 house. It must have been 10 grand. And then we did renovations. So maybe we used another five grand for renovations. Jeez, that seems cheap back there. Five grand for renovations. Well, remember, this is back when the TVs <laughs> were black and white. <laughs> and we rode around on horses and carriages. We did everything on a shoestring budget. And then we sold that property. The next properties that we looked at were pair properties in Brockworth Place, I think, from memory. I can't remember, did we buy those or not? Now, see, this is so long ago now that even my brain can't even figure out what I did. But anyway, you know, as you go, you've made a bit more money and a bit more money, a bit more money. I was doing lots of stuff where I was converting time into equity by doing landscaping and the very limited things that Andrew Nichol can do with a hammer. Then probably when I started to really ramp up, I was buying stuff right the way through the GFC and it was just kind of standard rental properties. One trick that really ramped up my portfolio was taking advantage of the Christchurch market post-earthquake and buying properties that were written off by the insurance company but could be remedied. And so we had a strategy there. We had two banks that we were working with predominantly at that stage, BNZ and Westpac. BNZ were a lot more credit friendly at that stage than Westpac were. And so what we would do is we would go to Westpac and we were allowed to borrow 80% of the land value only. So if we bought a property for 300000 and the land component of that was two fifty, then they would give us $200,000. And so we had to fund a $100,000 deposit and then we had to fund the repairs. Let's say the repairs were another 100000 So we were essentially borrowing 80% from the bank's eyes because the bank was only using the, the land value. And then we'd complete the repairs and then we'd get a new valuation. And that might say 500000 And we had this debt of 200000 and we wanted to recycle our money that we'd put in, the 200000 And so we'd take that across to BNZ and we'd strip back out the cash. And we'd repeated this process. And our goal was to get our revolving credit facility at Westpac down to zero so we could just keep going and buying stuff with cash. And at BNZ, I think we were trying to get everything to 60% LVR because that was where the bank was comfortable. And we kind of had a plan to do this over, I don't know, 25 properties or something like that. And we were doing so well. 
and then the LVR restrictions came in and 60% was no longer a really good LVR target. It was more like 40%. And so that kind of put the brakes on a little bit. We had to chip in more cash and slow things down a little bit. But then and probably now, even though the Reserve Bank have put those LVR restrictions or they're coming back in at 60%, I think 60% as your portfolio grows is a good comfortable level. Now that's about where I sit at the moment. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head because the market's been going up. I've been more consolidating what I'm doing as opposed to buying up big. That's about to start again now. I mean, I've got, I think, five or six properties under construction at the moment off the top of my head. But for me, I really wanted to make sure that we were just kind of getting everything tidied up before I ramped up. Well, it's funny you should say you don't know the numbers because I've estimated them for you. But before we get into that, and you'll tell me whether these are totally incorrect or not. So the thinking here about reducing your LVR over time is really this. If you've got 80% debt when your portfolio is worth a million dollars, then you've got $800,000 worth of debt. That's your 80%. Now, if something goes wrong, if there's a turn in the market, and let's say that that property portfolio was worth nothing then, you've got an $800,000 loan. Now, that's pretty bad. And of course, property prices aren't going to fall to zero. Or it would be like a, a one in a million chance or something along those lines. If you've got 80% debt on a $10 million portfolio, then you've got $8 million worth of debt. And compared to your income, that's going to be significantly more. So if there are adverse changes in the market, you're much more exposed. So this is one thing, and you'll be able to remember back much better than I ever would, Andrew, to the 08 crash, where you had some property gurus who were leveraging up to their eyeballs at 90% debt. And if you've got a significant portfolio, millions of dollars of assets that have a significant amount of debt on it, a small change in the market will hurt you much more because we're talking big numbers and the bank will be keeping a much, much closer eye on you. Yeah, that's what happened. So I remember BNZ's policy at the time because I did a lot of stuff with them was you could get 95% on your owner-occupied. Again, everyone knows that I never had an owner-occupied property until last year but I always said to the bank that I had one and so never I, lie to the bank though guys we always <laughs> say this never ever so 95 and then you could go 90 90 90 so the next three properties your rentals you could go 90% and then it dropped down to 80 and so they didn't look at a blanket approach and so Overall, I, I mean, we could probably actually work out what the average LVR would have been on that, but you're probably sitting up around that 85, 87% mark. And so what happened, of course, is that the market dropped. If banks have got a high amount and you're in the commercial division, which you tend to be at that stage, they tend to have a lot more of an active input into your portfolio. And if they ask you to get a valuation and you've got any of these on-demand facilities, they'll ask you to pay it down. So one thing that I remember they did a lot of was get rid of revolving credit facilities. So revolving credit, great when you're paying down debt. There's words on that loan document that say on-demand, which means that we can ask it back at any time. And we don't really have to give you a reason. We've just decided to take it away. And it's quite interesting because Nick, one of my business partners and one of the portfolios that I belong to, he remembers this quite fondly because it affected him quite badly. And actually just relatively recently, a couple of years ago, when we were doing some restructures, we had about a million dollars in revolving credit. And he said, I feel uncomfortable about this. And so we converted it all to offset loans, which is exactly the same thing. So we had a million dollars in the bank and a million dollar mortgage, but we could take the money out at any stage. And the wording of the loan documents was such that it wasn't as easily recouped by the bank. 
as it happens, I know that there were a lot of investors that did end up losing revolving credit facilities come review time. So you might, if you're in commercial, have a review date of every 12 months where you have to supply your financials. If you're self-employed, if you're PAYE, they'll look at it again. If it doesn't meet servicing, they take that revolving credit away. So let me ask you this, Andrew, as well. At what stage should investors start to target a lower LVR in their portfolio? The way that I actually do it is I try and maximise the highest LVR at a bank that allow me to do that. And then I'll have other banks where I'll have really low LVRs. And the reason I do that is because I want to have freedom. And I also try and discharge properties wherever possible. So often if I'm doing a review with an investor and they're at like 20% LVR, I'll try and get the bank to discharge four or five properties so they can have unencumbered properties that they can go and lend against if they want to, because the bank doesn't need to have that sort of security. Whilst they want it and will get their hooks into everything, you're better to try and free up some of that equity to give yourself freedom. Again, you know, for me, agent stage, I'm very, very young, as you all know, so I don't really worry too much about having a high LVR. And if I can free up a couple of properties, then that's great. I've just got that in my back pocket if I want to go and, you know, even if I had to go to a non-bank lender and leverage against and pay a higher interest rate, I know I can get access to cash if a really good deal comes along and I need to jump on it. But I also think that you do want to be thinking about this as you get into your 40s and 50s and you start to transition. And this is why, you know, if you target retirement age is 60, then from at least 55, you need to be swapping out some of those growth assets for yield assets. And so therefore you want to try and again, split off some of those properties so you know you can sell them, get the cash and do what you want with it without the bank directing what it goes against. So we're talking about a couple of different things here, but am I right in understanding that from your perspective, decreasing your LVR is really about your age as opposed to the number of assets you potentially have under your own ownership. And the fact that as property investors tend to grow their portfolios, they naturally tend to be older and that's the real reason why they're decreasing it as opposed to the fact that they own a lot of assets. Well, yes, I mean I only use age because that's kind of when you're starting to plan out these things, but don't be afraid of a high LVR. The banks are scared of it, but why should you? I mean at the end of the day whether your LVR is 20% or 95%, if you owe $10 million, you owe $10 million. Doesn't really matter. It's just whether or not that gives you the ability to leverage off again. Yeah, but the impact is that let's say your LVR is 95% and there's a 10% drop in short term drop in house prices, then you're all of a sudden negative equity. Yeah, I get that. But if you've discharged those properties, it's really just about your overall net position. If you've got discharged unencumbered properties, you can always give one back or you can always sell it. How are you going to discharge it though if you've got 95% or an 80% LVR? If you're at, say, a 20% LVR right now and you discharge seven properties and you have them unencumbered and you take it right up to 60% on your rental properties, if all of a sudden there was a major shift in the market and the bank asked you to value everything, if you've got this property over here, you can always bring it back. Oh, I understand what you mean. So you're saying that don't be afraid to go high LVR on a specific property as long as your overall portfolio position. At what point do you start to say, look, I'm going to slow down buying properties because from a portfolio position, I'm uncomfortable having 80% LVR. It'll probably be the bank that stops you before you decide that. I mean, if you've reached your goal, then that's it. You can buy more if you choose to. But I think it's really important to have that goal in mind and know what you're aiming for. We did a podcast the other day where we were talking about some of the tools on our website and we were talking about how many properties it actually takes to get you to your goal. 
And most people don't know that. And that's really interesting because it's generally quite a lot smaller a number than you imagine. So I always say to investors, what's the minimum number over the maximum amount of time that's, that's going to take in terms of property purchases to get you to your goal? Now, if the number's four, do everything you can to get to the four. Once you've got to the four, celebrate and you can take a pause then. If the number's eight, then you need to get to eight before you celebrate. But I mean, I don't get caught up on the LVR really so much as opposed to the overall net position of an investor. When you say net position, do you mean in terms of percentage or do you mean just the total number at the moment at the bottom? For people who are very, very ambitious like yourself and want to build bigger and bigger portfolios, do you have a general rule like this? Like, say, sixty percent is probably what the bank wants it to be. Over what sort of asset base? Probably twenty million, thirty mil. Yeah. So once you get to twenty million, over that. The hardest part at that stage is actually the servicing side of things, as opposed to the LVR, generally speaking. And I think the other thing to mention is that the reason that when you're starting out, you'll have a high LVR is out of necessity. If you haven't owned property for a long time or you're not actively trying to create or manufacture equity, so trading time for equity, then you need to borrow a lot more. But if you've been in the market for a while and perhaps you're paying principal down on your owner-occupier and then once that's done, perhaps you're paying down some principal on your investment properties if that's the right thing for you and you have some capital appreciation, your LVR is going to go down naturally over time. Would I be right in saying, Andrew, that this transition to having a low LVR, as you'd mentioned at the start, is quite natural and happens without even thinking about it sometimes? Absolutely. Because if you purchase a property with 100% lending, and of course initially that would be structured as if it was 80% lending, then if it doubles in value, your LVR's all of a sudden gone down to under 50%. That's right. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a podcast topic that you'd like us to talk about, send us a text. Our number is 5522. Or feel free to send me an email. My email address is ed at opuspartners.co.nz. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>